0: Hello guys, Jonathan here from Arcade Repair Tips. We would just like to take a moment and thank you for listening to the audio replay of the live show here on the podcast feed. We'd also like to remind you to join our live show on the first Thursday night of every month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. It's always a great time, and we enjoy interacting with people just like you in our live chat. So be sure to make plans to be there for the next one. Remember also that we have an after show that takes place immediately after the live show. And if you'd like to listen to the audio from that, you will need to check it out on our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. So let us continue on with a short word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to the episode.
1: broadcasting from their world headquarters in texas it's the arcade repair tips live show the show that discusses arcade repair restoration news and more now here are your hosts tim and jonathan
0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 66 of the Arcade Repair Tips live show for August 2022. My name is Jonathan Leung. I'm the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how you doing? Well, we're sweating
1: down here in Texas, but uh, overall, okay. <laughs> we'll make it.
0: That's right. Today is probably one of the hottest days of the year, and that's saying something so far, Tim. Uh, you know, I think I looked at the temperature. It said 102 earlier. Uh, and the nice thing about my game room here, the world headquarters, if you will, is that, uh, it is hot in the summer and cold in the winter, Tim. So, yeah. I mean, you, got, you kind of get that. There's no insulation because it, it's got like this, uh, uh, kind of, uh, what do you call it, roof? Like, uh, uh, whatever It's got It's got a um, Got kind of this high roof And so there's not a whole lot Of uh, insulation up there Like there is in the rest of the house And so this room Basically Ends up being You know Whatever the temperature is outside Maybe just 10 or 15 degrees Below that So uh, we're kind of hot in here But we hope that you Are nice and cool Wherever you are And that you're comfortable uh, and Tim, we have a great show tonight. I know we had to yeah. delay it by one day.
1: Yeah, that was I can. Would uh, you like I'll, to explain? <laughs> I'll take the blame for that one. Um, just wrapping up our vacation. If we came back. We'll probably talk about that in the after show. And uh, drove 13 hours and came back and realized that um, yesterday was a pretty big day for me. So I could not do it. Yesterday was my seventh anniversary. So made sure that. Uh, you could move it, and we all it all kind of worked out. So, hopefully, um, those of you who are here could also that were here yesterday could still be here today, but anyway. Uh, a thousand apologies. When it falls on your anniversary, some things better take precedent, you know?
0: Absolutely. Tim, I think you need to send a reminder for like a three to four <laughs> weeks out now. I think uh, I do. Because I'd already put out all the stuff we were going to do it Thursday. Obviously, you guys probably saw that if you are on our social media pages. But we moved it because I'm accommodating to Tim and hope, and hopefully you guys, it wasn't too much trouble for you guys to come tonight versus the first Thursday of the month, which is when we usually do the live show. But tonight, it'll be the first Friday of the month. So, uh, again, we're looking forward to having a great show tonight and we're glad Glad that you could be here. Tim, we got a couple people in the live chat already. We got Encores Arcade. Hello, hope your AC is kicking. And it is, but uh, it's still hot around here. Uh, Jeff says hi. What games are you going to are going to be worked on? Um, we're going to talk about uh, some of the things. If you saw the little um, the little uh, the, flyer. the slide yeah. that we put up for uh, each show, you'll see some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, I know there's a case 4600 on the outline tonight. Tim, uh, *Cruising Exotica* I believe is mm-hmm. on the list for tonight. We also have uh, oh, Master Masters ahead. one there. Cherry Master is on there. We're talking about a Terraforce PCB, Tim, and some of the things that it may have wrong with it, um, and maybe change machines. Of yeah. course, the title. The Machine Does Not Take the Funds. There you go. Is the title. So we'll be talking maybe a little bit about Change Machines as well with that. So uh, just a whole bunch of stuff, Jeff. Stay tuned. You'll see some good stuff. Real Hammer Billy Lee he says, hello. Hello. Hey, Billy. We got Mr. Dwayne79 says hello. Hey, Dwayne. So there you go. So we are caught up with the live chat, but remember if you're watching this live that you can interact with us during the show by leaving your comments and questions over there. We'll be uh, covering, obviously, a lot of questions tonight, but we'll also be discussing some of the recent news. So if you guys want to chime in, give us your opinions on that, that would be good as well. Now, Tim, if we would have done the show last night, we would have missed out on an important piece of information that dropped earlier today from Arcade 1-Up.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big deal.
0: Yeah, so there's a new game that they just announced today. Today, guys. We'll be talking about that once we get to the discussion portion of the show. We'll also do an after show. If you guys are watching this live, the after show occurs, oh, roughly about 10 minutes after the regular show, where basically we talk about any topic that's on our mind, but we also take arcade questions there. Now, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, you will not get that after show. You will have to look up the YouTube video for this episode to get that. Just a reminder. So, but, uh, Tim, we know it's hot. We know that things are, you know, probably hot where you are too, Tim. Because I see a map of the United States, and I just see basically heat all yep. over it. I, it just seems like there's not a cool place right now. So hopefully, like I said earlier, you're in a comfortable place to watch the show tonight, and we're glad that you're here, Tim. Anything before we get started into some questions? No, well, let's get started with the show sounds good. Now, Tim, I have a couple of updates from the previous show. Okay. And so, uh, it was nice of these guys to kind of give us some updates here. So, the first one is from Cruz, Tim. And you may remember that he was looking for some Nintendo style buttons uh, to go on a Nintendo cabinet. And right. So, he wrote us back, Tim, and here is what he said. He said, thanks for the lead on the Nintendo style buttons. I got them from Mike's Arcade.com, and they work perfectly. Thank you. So, Tim, uh, we've mentioned this before, but for all things Nintendo, it seems like Mike's Arcade is a really great place to get them. So, if sure. you guys are looking for Nintendo parts specifically, then, you know, check out Mike'sArcade.com. He always has a great selection of parts for those. And, Tim, I don't know if he's fully recovered from the fire that they had yet. I remember that. But yeah. it, he is shipping out stuff, obviously, and it seems to be getting to people in a timely fashion. So, we got to be thankful for that. Hopefully, he's 100% back on his feet at this point. Uh, but we know a while back he did have a fire that was really rough. So, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, hopefully they're doing good, and we at least know they're shipping out parts to him, which is something. So, I'm glad that Cruz could get those Nintendo buttons for his Nintendo project. And then, Tim, uh, now this update was from Gary, but me and Gary exchanged several emails back and forth. Okay. okay. So this is like the last one that he sent. I just wanted to throw this up here. You guys may remember Gary. Gary had the question on the punch out that was shifted. Yeah. Remember the screen was kind of shifted on the bottom if you remember that from the last episode of the live show. And so he wrote he wrote back – oh, there we go. I'm, I'm punching the wrong buttons. <laughs> All over. Uh so he says, I have a full picture after installing a cap kit on the monitor. Now the only issue is the horizontal size. It is too wide on both sides. And I don't see a pot for that. Any ideas? And Tim, I went ahead and put our response down here, uh, or what I sent him. You can see our post and video on adjusting the horizontal width coil. Okay? Mm-hmm. So make sure you use a TV alignment tool and not an Allen wrench when doing this adjustment, Tim. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when you don't see a horizontal size on the monitor chassis itself, guys, you may need to adjust the horizontal width coil and so that's what we did now he said he adjusted it and it's still a little bit too wide for him so we'll be sending him back a couple other things he can do tim i think there's a cap that you can change out a value on in order to resize it a little bit so we will be sending him back that information but for those of you who are just doing general monitor repair and have a screen that's a little bit too wide make sure that you look at the horizontal width coil we have a great post and video on that as well right tim Yep. yep So, but it's always good to get updates. Remember, guys, if we answer your question and uh, you have an update on on whatever it is we told you and wrote back, uh, we'll try to cover those on the next live show. So that way we can tell everybody else, you know, if it worked, it didn't work. If there's other things we can try. So, uh, thank you to Gary and Cruz for both those updates for this episode. Uh, now, Tim, let's go ahead and get into the questions for this month. And okay. the first one we have is from Harold. And Harold writes, "Hello, I am an HVAC repair tech." And Tim, I'm sure he's busy as all get out right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and does he trade for games? That's, that's, a, good that's question. a good question. Uh-huh. Uh
0: one of my customers gave me this arcade game, a Cruisin Exotica. My son and I loaded it into my van and brought it home. We plugged it in and played on it for an hour or more. Turned it off and went to bed. He got up this morning and turned it on Now the screen is shrunk down and only displaying in the center. I have watched several of your videos on screen adjustment and have tried the adjustments you recommended to no avail. Do you have any thoughts on this issue? It really puzzles me as to how it worked fine last night, yet it doesn't today. Thanks for any insight you may provide. And this is from Harold again, Tim. Mm -hmm. So we have Harold here, Tim, an HVAC tech who, like I said, is probably super busy this time of year. I know uh, I've got a good friend, Tim, that's an HVAC tech, and I know that getting him on the phone right now is near impossible. Mm -hmm. So I know he's probably busy, but he was able to pick up this cruise in Exotica. I don't know if a customer just gave it to him. It kind of sounds like that. So it may have been a free pickup, which is always good. Or if not, maybe he paid a little bit for it. But it sounds like we've the screen was fine, and all of a sudden we shrunk down. Right. And so, what do you think is going on with Harold's cruising exotica here?
1: Well, he did what we all have to do—a necessary evil is we move a game. Yes. And every time we move it, it seems like something happens. So, when you move, I don't know where. Did he say where he was from? In, in, I didn't have a. I didn't have a location. I can guarantee you, after traveling to South Carolina, if you live in the state of Louisiana, Mississippi, and parts of or of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. You can't go more than half a block before your game's gonna get jostled. Them some bad roads. <laughs> there. I can tell when we got back to Texas. I had a deeper appreciation for our road system. So sorry. I will say
0: that there were some good roads in some of those states. Not, yeah. I mean, like I twenty was pretty nice all the way through Louisiana. Now, if you're right. getting off of that, that's it's a spotty.
1: Different. After Not that, exactly. I'm just gonna say <laughs> they need a little, But anyway, uh, all kidding aside, that anytime you move a game, stuff can get jostled and turned and. So, one of the things, it could have just just darned the luck, you know, by playing it, it went ahead and pushed it to its limit and went out and you had some vertical collapse, we got videos on that, but a lot of times you can just retouch the solder in those areas that could have come, uh, just a crack or something that could have done that in that short amount of time. Uh, but, you know, you're just going to have to get your hands dirty and get in there and watch our videos when you talk about monitor collapse and stuff your vertical ic could have went bad um, but a lot of times being that it did work because that's that is frustrating it's working you played it one night had a good time turned it off the next day nothing so i'm hoping that maybe it is just a crack solder joint
0: yeah and the fact that it was working like tim said harold means that it may not be anything serious now it could have been that it was just time for like the hot to go, or something right. like that, or the vertical IC just to to flop out on you. Um, it's the hot when I was about to say you probably wouldn't be getting anything. So this is probably yeah. a vertical problem uh, because we are. It sounds like we're having a vertical collapse, kind of like Tim mentioned there. And so the first thing we should do though is touch up all the solder joints in the vertical section of the monitor. So the vertical section you should see the vertical IC chip, and we talk about this Tim in our video on uh, repairing monitor collapse issues, mm-hmm. uh, which I think I have linked down below here, Harold. If you want to take a look at that, but near the vertical ic just touch up all the solder joints on all of those parts around the vertical ic that's really the vertical section of the monitor and so once you do that try it again see if it works if it doesn't you may need to replace the vertical ic as well i mean it's possible like tim mentioned it just went out uh, it happened. so yeah
1: more than likely that's one reason why they were probably getting rid of it it was working one day quit working the next day working that they kind of do that yep. when they're about to go out and then they'll completely go out
0: Absolutely. So I think Tim is right here. We need to go ahead and touch up those solder joints. And Tim, I'm going to go ahead and throw up the slide here so people can see it. From your description, it sounds like your cruising Exotica monitor is experiencing some form of monitor collapse. Okay, so check our post on repairing monitor collapse issues for more information on this particular problem. Now, since the monitor was working recently, I mean, we, we mean recently, Tim, like as, as, as recently as like the day before, we recommend starting off this repair by touching up the solder on the vertical IC and any other parts in the vertical section that look suspect. And Tim, you know, Michael has told us so many times, cracked, cold, and broken solder joints are like one of the number one causes of part failure or monitor failure. So this is what we're looking for. We're looking for solder joints that are cracked, cold, and are broken, but Go ahead and just touch up any parts in that vertical section, right, Tim? Right. Go ahead, all the solder joints. Just go ahead, so and touch those up. Uh, especially if they, you know, and this is common, Tim. Especially if the monitor hasn't had any maintenance done on it, so no cap kits installed since it was originally uh, originally um, done originally manufactured and all that kind of stuff. So just be sure that you touch up that solder, and you might want to just do it on the whole monitor. Tim, we've also said before, if we're gonna take a monitor chassis out, a lot of times we'll just go ahead and install a cap kit yeah, anyway.
1: It's that time.
0: Right. So I mean if you're I was gonna say if you're already in the process of taking the monitor chassis out of the game, then you may just wanna go ahead and and order a cap kit for it as well and install that at the same time. Especially if the caps look old. Uh, Tim, I think some—I forget what somebody used earlier—suspect capacitors. Right. You see suspect capacitors on the Monitor chassis, ones that maybe look a little popped on the top, maybe have some goo coming out of the bottom or something like that. Those really need to be replaced as soon as possible. And if this monitor has never had a cap kit on it since the day it was manufactured, then it definitely needs one now. I mean, we're talking about uh, late '90s for cruising exotic, right. so I mean you're talking about 20 years minimum since that thing's had a cap kit. So uh, probably about time to install it if it hasn't had one already. Tim, anything else for Harold here before we move on? No, I think we had a comment in the live chat. What did they say? Okay. Um, It's Mr. Retro Wolf says, Hi, all. He says, Glad I didn't need to carry that cab. Yeah. So, like, Prison Exotica's guys, obviously driving games like this, super heavy, right, Tim? Right.
1: But one thing I would like to say is when we were really new at that, I, I would notice we'd go to auction. They would never go for very much. But once we got a little more experience in them... Don't shy away from them because they're really not that bad. There's just a few, a couple bolts you take out and you can remove the seat, unplug a connector. The seat usually rolls. The top usually rolls. To be honest, it's not any harder. It may be even easier than some arcade games. So just a FYI. I wouldn't not bid on one because of that unless you just don't have the room for it.
0: And if you, and now, like Tim mentioned, a lot of the uh, driving games have casters on the bottom to make them easier to move. If yours is missing casters, Tim, we had a real good deal on casters and I don't know if that deal is still going on on Amazon, but if you check our Twitter or Facebook page, you will see um, a deal for two inch and three inch casters with the locking mechanism, which is really important, right. Tim. So if your driving cab is missing those right now, I'll tell you what, it makes it a million times easier to move if you have those on there. All right. So at, I'm not a big fan of casters on regular arcade machines, Tim, but on anything you sit down in, it, it really can help quite a bit because it's just cumbersome to move otherwise. A lot. Yeah. So um I think that'll wrap it up for Harold. So, Harold, hopefully that answers your question, and good luck getting your Cruising Exotica back up and running. And, Tim, it looks like YouTube Punk's here. He says, let's go. What's so- up? Sup, caps. Uh, sorry, I'm late, coach. So there you go. No problem at all. YouTube punk. Glad to have you here. Glad you could join us. Hey, we're the ones that moved on you. That's what right. I'm looking at. I mean, it's Friday. It's not Thursday, right? Right. Okay, are my day's off.
1: No, we're okay. Is
0: this is Friday. Like I don't have to go to work tomorrow. Right. Okay. That's all I know. Okay, just making I sure. Sleep in. Yeah, exactly. Just making sure there. It. But um yeah, you see that office jobs, the perks mm-hmm. of office jobs. I remember when I had to use, used to have to work weekends, and Tim definitely does. So. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm off tomorrow. Thank goodness, Tim. This has been a rough week. I need a little rest. Um, my boss has been out. You know how it goes. So I anyway. Uh, but I don't think we're going to get any relief from the heat. No. So off days from work, no off days from the heat so far.
1: I'm going to go swimming.
0: There you go. <laughs> so anyway, Harold, good luck with that Chris Nixaka. Keep us posted uh, if you decide to do anything that we mentioned and if it ends up working for you. Okay, Tim. Let's go to Patrick. And Patrick has a Wells Garner 4600, so I'll go ahead and read his question here. He says, Hi, I'm working on restoring my very first arcade cabinet, uh, with the first order of business being the Wells Garner K4600 monitor. The monitor works, but it could use some fine-tuning. Also, a lot of the components seem to be on their last legs with brittle wires, bad splices, and some questionable capacitors, etc. I like questionable capacitors. That was the, the term I was looking for earlier. This has me worried about running it for any amount of time. I have thought about tinkering with it myself, but working on CRTs is a bit of a blind spot for me. Would it be enough to just send the chassis to a repair shop by itself, or should I send the tube as well? Again, it's, it is working. Any help would be greatly appreciated. So Tim, we have Patrick here, and he does want to move, he wants to maybe send off his K4600 because it's in pretty rough shape. And okay. we've got some brittle wiring, very common on an old monitor chassis like this. We've got some bad splicing on there. maybe some people put some parts on the solder side of the chassis. We've seen that a lot too. Uh, it's got some uh, questionable capacitors very common in a monitor this age so. Now, he's wondering, though, Tim, do I need to send just the chassis to the repair guy, or do I need to send the whole tube and the chassis to the repair guy? What do you say to Patrick here? Well, fortunately,
1: he has uh, a Wells Garner 4600, which is actually, he may not even need to send the whole chassis uh, because it has these cards on there, and they are removable, and you can just send those in for repair, which is, makes it a lot cheaper. Um you know, but I I, I want to preface this by saying I'm a big proponent of if it's not broke, quit fixing it. <laughs> um, and, and I will say that with caution because uh, it is working. I, I would almost wait until you were having problems and then send it in because they're going to charge about the same by the time they get it, they look at it, they repair some stuff. Having said that, though, it's your money and you do what you want to do and I understand some people really that kind of bugs them almost and I'm sure it would look better if it did have a cap kit and stuff so I would contact Paul or one of our approved vendors and you can ask them what would they prefer you do now for sure you shouldn't send in the tube unless they ask for that because uh, unless you're having some kind of tube issue when you can watch our video on checking a tube to make sure that your tube is fine uh, but just because one thing it's the weight and it's bulky and it'll liable to get broke and stuff you could send the chassis. So whoever you send it to, I would ask them, on a 4600, do I need to remove the cards? And just send you those. Or if you're not sure how to remove those or what to do, you might just send them the whole chassis. And I would just kind of go from there. It's kind of a, a personal preference. Also, you didn't exactly say where a lot of the butchered wiring and stuff is that might be on the chassis and not just the cards. So if you want that kind of cleaned up and... uh pretty up if, if you could say it that way you probably would need to send them the whole chassis but for sure not the tube unless you're having some kind of tube issue and even then there's not much they can do with a bad tube they're just you're going to have to replace it
0: and shipping tubes is always a risky business anyway <clears throat> very i mean because we all know the tubes can get damaged and we've all seen videos of how the delivery guys usually treat stuff right i mean i'm not saying look I think that my delivery guys are the best guys on the planet. Man, they do a great job. I've never had anything arrive here that looked like it, it had been kicked it a hole into or something like that. But at the same time, we do have seen videos of people doing that. And so tubes are very delicate. I say they're delicate. They're tougher than people think. But yeah. once they're gone, they're gone. Okay. Right. I mean, so once, it, once it's got a hole in it, that's it. Or once the neck cracks... You ain't bringing it back, kind right. of thing. So and it's very hard to pack one to where it won't get damaged. And so with that in mind, sending the tube is usually never a good idea unless there is a particular issue that the monitor repair guy thinks is specifically with the tube. Now on the chassis, like Tim mentioned, we're kind of we're kind of that way where we don't want to fix it unless it's broken. So as long as it's working, but we do also understand preventative maintenance, right, Tim? Right. And so maybe what you're looking for is a little preventative maintenance. Now, Timmy said he didn't have a lot of experience with working on monitor chassis. The cool thing is that the K4600 may be the most user-friendly workable chassis ever. Or maybe so. Okay, because it has the cards in it. So what you can do, literally, is just take out one of the cards and just work on that, then take out the other card and just work on that, and then you can take out the main chassis if you want to and work on that. You know, yep. you know, But you don't have to take out the whole thing at once. You can take it out in pieces if you wanted to, which does make it a little bit more user-friendly than a standard chassis. So I'm going to go ahead and throw this up here so we can uh, show Patrick what we're talking about. And I did put a picture of the uh, K4600. You'll see that black bolt bar there. That black bar, Tim, if you squeeze it, I think, on the right side of the chassis, you mm-hmm. can lift that black bar up, and then you'll have access to the two cards there. You'll have a um, – there's a horizontal vertical card, mm-hmm. and then there's also the video input card right there, so you can remove those. And, Tim, we fixed the law monitors just by swapping cards. You right. know? like So somebody sends you a working card, you swap it in, you're good to go. K4600 is very unique that way, and it is a cool chassis, but at the same time, where those cards connect can sometimes be a point of failure. I will say that. So you have to be careful with that. But anyway, the majority of issues on CRT monitors are usually related to the chassis. Therefore, monitor repair technicians typically only need the chassis, right, Tim? Right. So since your monitor is working, we can assume that the tube is working reasonably well, I think, right, Tim? I mean, we I can think, kind of uh, assume that it may not be the greatest picture, but it's probably working reasonably well. So you should only need to send the chassis in for repair. Now, with that said, the K4600 is not actually a bad monitor to work on if you want to try it yourself. Since it uses daughter cards for the horizontal vertical and the video input, you can do many repairs without having to remove the entire chassis from the cabinet, which is, like I said, very handy. And so, uh, But it's kind of up to you. If you're going to ship it off, you just need to ship it off to one of our monitor repair guys, just the chassis, and they can send it back to you. Or if you want to wait till it goes out, like me and Tim are saying, you could do that. Or if you just want to work on it yourself, remove the cards and do all that, Tim, you can do that too, right? All right. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of options here for you, Patrick. So the question is, which direction do you want to go? Uh, like Tim mentioned though, I'm, I'm always going to lean, I think, in your direction where if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So right. as long as the monitor is still working, alive and kicking, I would probably continue to run it until it died. But I see no problem in sending it off for repair and letting somebody go over it with a fine-tooth comb, either. So yep. it's really up to you as far as your preferences. Uh, but as for me and Tim, I think we're going to wait. We're going to do the wait and see approach. We'll wait till it breaks and then we'll see. So, okay. So Patrick, hopefully, answers your question. And good luck uh, working on that K forty six hundred monitor chassis. Like I said, super user friendly compared to uh, some of the other monitor chassis out there. Okay, Tim, let's check back in with the live show real quick. Regzor Show says, Tim did a great video on how to remove the chassis. Did you do a video on how to remove uh, Oh, we did. Sometime or another, It's yeah. been a long time ago. Yes, removing and installing a monitor chassis. If you want to see how that whole process goes, uh, Patrick, then definitely check out that video. That'll help you a lot. Uh, Mango Slice says, hello guys, great show. And then, uh, just some highs to Rigsir and things like that. Okay. Hello. I think we're caught up. Okay. So, um, Tim, you know, 4600, it's been a long time since, I don't think I have a, I don't think any of mine are forty six hundred.
1: I have one in my garage right now. I just got a cap kit in for that I'll probably be working on soon. Yeah,
0: I was about to say, I'm pretty sure I've got mostly 49s. Yeah. I've got, this is, this is a G07, this is a 49. Um, that's a K7000, 19 inch in the Mortal Kombat. I'm not sure in the Street Fighter 2. I've got different ones. You know, K7000, 19-inches, I haven't seen as many of. You see a lot of K7000, 25-inch. Yeah. But they are different. So, um, but yeah. And I have a sharp image monitor back there. Of course, that's a Sanyo G07 Nintendo game. So, um, those are the only 19-inches I have. I think everything else is bigger. So yeah. But Anyway. Yeah, so, I mean, 4600, those are really nice chassis. We used to work on them all the time, Tim, it seemed like we'd have a ton of them.
1: We had a big tub full of those cards. Yeah, I was about to say, one time
0: we did. We I, had, like, a big probably of Probably 50 of them in there. Yeah. Uh,
1: just yes. the cards. We would get them, and people would give them to us, and we would repair them, and then we'd keep three or four working cards, and that way, when we were on route or whatever, we could just pop it in there and fix it real quick.
0: Worked really well. So, anyway... Okay, Tim. Well, let us continue on here. The next question we have is from Mark in New Zealand. Okay. So, you're talking about location, Tim. We have a location on this one, New Zealand. So, let us go ahead and go over to Mark's question. Hi, I am from New Zealand, and I have a TerraForce PCB board manufactured by Nishibitsu. Nishibitsu? Am I saying it right? Hopefully, in 1987. The problem I'm having is when I turn it on, I get no sound and no video feed at all. I have checked the 5 volts from the chip on the board, and it reads 4.9 volts to 5 volts. And the video wires are connected to the chassis board for the screen. What would you recommend as a starting point on diagnosing on the board? Unfortunately, my game does not have the schematics for it. Thanks. Yeah, and Tim, I looked around for some schematics to see if I could find some, and I could not find any. This is not uncommon for older games like this, Tim, not every manufacturer decided it was a good idea to put schematics in there. Right. mainly because bootleg boards and things like that. Uh, but Tim, this is a JAMA board too, and that's part of the problem too. About this time when we're moving the JAMA, we see less and less schematics in manuals anyway. So uh, that's pretty common. But uh, Tim, Terraforce board, JAMA board, um, no video feed, no sound. We're not getting anything it sounds like. We're getting good um, voltage at the chip though. So what do you think is going on with uh, Mark's uh, Terraforce board.
1: Well, we're always going to start at power, and I would go back and not only check the 5 volts, but also the 12 volts coming from the the power supply. Being that it's JAMA, I would throw, I would buy a working really cheap JAMA board or something and put in there and make sure I don't have any other issues going on, that it is not my monitor, uh, that it is the board itself. Um, I noticed he, he didn't say it was, it's not... It probably is a board issue, though, and so there's where he can uh, look, watch our video on and uh, examine a board and repair just basic troubleshooting of a game board, but more than that, unless you have some really high-level skills, you're probably going to need to send it off for repair. That's just plain and simple, but there are some things you can try. Make sure your board is clean. Make sure your socketed chip's or um, have the oxidation off the legs and that you re-socket them. Uh, sometimes that kind of stuff will work wonders. Um, I say, you know, it's kind of a probably less than a 10% chance, though, that if, if it's having issues that you're going to have to get your board repaired. But you got to make sure that not just the 5 volts, but also the 12 volts is coming in there and working. So I've seen a lot of power supplies where one either the 5 volts or the 12 volts is working, but the other is not, and they won't work uh, in comparison like that. Also, maybe crank it up to a little bit past 5, maybe to 5.1, turning it up to see if that little extra juice, some things, especially um, some of Sega games and stuff like that, uh, need a little bit more power.
0: Sounds good, Tim. And I'll go ahead and put the slide up here because I think you pretty much hit everything on it. Um, So let's look at the power supply one more time, like Tim mentioned. Make sure that the plus plus five or 12 volts VDC is also within range and that the negative 5 VDC is hooked up. Tim, I believe Terra Force may be one of those games that relies on negative 5 volts DC in order to get sound and maybe other issues as well. So you do want to make sure your plus 12 and your negative 5 are also in range there. Also, try coining up and starting a game to see if you get any sound. Uh, you can turn up the brightness on your monitor as well to make sure it's actually powered up. It's a JAMA board, something to remember, like Tim mentioned. So you can put a cheap JAMA board in the cabinet just to make sure the cabinet is running the way it should as well. Tim, we all know what our favorite cheap JAMA board is nowadays, and that's the 60-in-1. Even right. if it displays sideways on your monitor, at least it'll give you a picture uh, if you need a test board to go with. Tim, we've seen 60-in-1s now as cheap as 30 bucks. Right. So, I mean, there's no reason not to pick one up and at least try to make sure your cabinet is working.
1: It's funny because back in the day we always kept Street Fighter boards around yeah. just for that because we had tons of them. And now they're a lot more valuable. We, could, we would just buy a brand new 60 yeah, exactly. and one. Right. Rather than uh, trying to all, buy. Yeah,
0: exactly. Or, yeah, I mean, Cherry Master boards are still a good a good one, too, to do. Because Cherry Master boards are pretty plentiful, and I don't think many people are looking for those. Right. A, a Cherry Master board that's JAMA compatible will work fine. But the 60-in-1 board, they're manufacturing them still. They can be found everywhere, easy to get, you know. So, I mean, no reason not to go with the 60-in-1. Uh, If the game still does not respond after the initial steps, there's a good chance you're having board issues, and Tim mentioned our post on inspecting an arcade board, Uh, and Tim, you'll notice that this um, board has ribbon cables. Yes. Ribbon cables are a very common point of failure on arcade boards, so make sure that the ribbon cables are in good shape and that they are making a good connection. Tim, we know the ribbon cables themselves will have problems, but we also know that the solder joints on those rib- ribbon cables will have problems and that the pins on the ribbon cables have problems. For and sure. so all of this stuff, very common point of failure there. Tim mentioned socketed chips. Always good to go over socketed chips and make sure that they're making a good connection to the board. Sockets can sockets uh, can can come loose from the board over time. Checking solder joints on those is important as well. All that kind of stuff. But um, again, anything past that kind of troubleshooting, though, you're going to probably need a scope, and you're probably going to need somebody who knows a lot about uh, electronic board level repair in order to get it working. So, uh, anything else here from Mark before we move on?
1: No, I don't think so. But Mark, keep us up to date. If we can be a further assistance, don't don't hesitate to call or write us back.
0: Sounds good. So, Mark, hopefully answers your question, and good luck getting your Terra Force PCB back up and running. And, and Tim, I think that's like a uh, you know space shooter, like a vertical scrolling space mm-hmm. shooter. So, a sixty-one board would actually probably work in the cabinet if it's got vertical orientation. Yeah. So, I mean, not that you want to do that, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Tim. This uh-huh. one is from Lashonda, and this is where our title for tonight's episode comes okay. from. And mm-hmm. Tim, have you ever seen Teen Titans or Teen Titans Go? Yes. Uh, so Starfire, oh, right. the character on there, she always puts B in front of everything. Okay. So when I read Lashonda's little quote here that the machine doesn't does not take the funds, it made okay. me think of Starfire from uh, from Teen Titans. So, but I thought it was a good title for tonight. And tonight here we have the questions. So here's okay. the questions. Uh, from LaShonda. How do you repair the money machine? The machine does not take the funds. Okay. Now, Tim, he, she did not say, how do, she just said how you repair the money machine. So right. I, I'm not sure if she's talking about the coin door. She's talking about a change machine. Right. It, you know, I, I, and there was no context on the video that she left a comment on to let us know which one it was. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, why not just do both? Okay. So Tim, let's start with a coin door. So if if my coin door will not take the money I'm putting into it, what could be wrong?
1: Well, generally, if a coin is not accepting it, it could be a lot of things. It could be the mech um, not working properly and the coin not falling through. Um, most of the time, it's the switch or the wiring. And one of those two, we've had, shot some videos on that. Because if it's hitting the switch but not crediting, then um, it's probably in the wiring. Uh, if it's Can't not ever switch, getting, though. yeah, if Can't it can be a
0: bad switch as well.
1: Exactly. And you can test those with a multimeter, Correct. put it on continuity, and as you flick the switch with your finger, it should make continuity. Um, do that. And we have videos on that. But, you know, um uh, it could be also a bill acceptor that on like a, a newer game that have dollar bill acceptor. So, we really don't know with that one. But uh, if she will write us back, we'll definitely can go into more detail. But then it could also be a bill. Uh, when I first read change the machine, question, I changer. thought a bill changer or a change machine. is what they're talking about. Most of the time when it won't accept, there's usually something in the magazine itself that's blocked. And at Chuck E. Cheese, when I worked there for years, it was usually a token yeah. or a ticket that it got up in there. And blocking the LED or whatever and a bill would go in but it'd kick it right back out because it couldn't read it. So a lot of times that's what it is. They also get very dirty. They get a, a money is probably one of the dirtiest things that we deal with. Um, and you know, but we like to count it and we like to have it in our hands. <laughs> Absolutely. But it will clog up those machines. They do the wheels and stuff get all kinds of grime and stuff on them so you can clean those. We used to take a little rubbing, or isopropyl alcohol. Out, yeah, and you would take a, like a cotton swab or something, or a Q-tip, and you could put that on there, and we'd clean those really good all the time. Uh, other than that, still could be mechanical issues, could be electronic issues, could be, they have a power supply. Uh, so it's kind of a, there's a a whole big range that we could open up, but without a little bit more information, I think this is about as far as we're going to take this question tonight. But anyway, I thank you for writing, writing in. And I thought it was kind of funny, and it did make for a good title. Um, uh, anytime the machine does not take the funds, you're in pretty bad shape because it won't work. So hey, If you're an
0: operator, you're in real bad shape. You're in real bad shape. <laughs> That's <So> right. <laughs>
1: we'd be glad to help you fix that with just a little bit more information.
0: Absolutely. Now, Tim, I do want to say something else. Make sure that the coin mech is for, is, is, um, set for the right currency that you're trying to put into it. Exactly. So, you know, if you're trying to put nickels in, make sure you have a nickel coin mech. If you're trying to put tokens in, make sure you have a token coin mech. Also, make sure the, and Tim mentioned this, the coin mech is clear. This is probably one of the things we saw at Chuck E. Cheese more than anything, even though I didn't work there, Tim. I can't, I got (laughs) up there to see Tim, and every time there would be a coin mech that had like 15 tokens stuck in it, where kids just kept putting them in, thinking, you know, it's not working, it's not working, it's not working.
1: I always used to say if the first one didn't work surely the eighth one will. (laughs) you know they're just really (laughs) shoving them in there
0: and so what will happen is that that coin mech will just get jammed and so literally the only way to to fix that is to open up the door open up the side of the coin mech let everything fall out and then you're back to where you were you were so but a lot of times somebody will put if you put a quarter in a token mech token in a quarter mech sometimes you'll have problems with one of those getting stuck in there if it's not a dual mech and so like um I think, Tim, that happened a lot with, uh, token, or, Canadian quarters. Yeah. Canadian quarters, like, they on have the, metal I, in them, on Yeah. There. So the Iman X mex that we love are great, except for they have a magnet to where if it's a Canadian quarter, it'll stick to the magnet and it'll literally block everything else. It'll just return everything else. Uh huh. Because the, because once that, um, pathway to where the wire is blocked, it won't, it'll just return everything else to the coin chute. And so, um, one Canadian quarter could mess up everything in those. So, uh, but that, those are just a couple of the things that could happen. And, and Tim, I also had some other things here so let me go ahead and put up the slide real quick so based on your question it's hard to know as we mentioned whether you're talking about an arcade game or a change machine build changer so we will give a brief overview on both if your your arcade game will not take money that you're putting into it it could be an issue with the coin mech make sure the coin mech is clear and that it accepts the coins you're inserting into the slot. now Tim if you need a different coin mech for whatever currency you're trying to put into it those are available at most arcade um, parts retailers right so, mm-hmm. like, you know, you can get a nickel mech, you can get, uh, you can get whatever, pretty much anything, right?
1: Right, just whatever denomination, even big as a 50 cent piece almost, they custom made stuff, so. Yeah,
0: I, um, I got a couple of 3D printed mechs tend to allow everything to go through. Wow. Doesn't matter if it's a penny, right. nickel, dime, quarter, and that's just a, a good way if you've got, like, a donation type uh, machine where it's, like, it's on free play, but if people want to donate, then they can, that's a good mm-hmm. way to do that. So, um, but you can get a mech for pretty much any currency you're looking for. Just make sure that you have the right mech for the currency you're putting into it. And then if it's a change machine, Tim, Tim mentioned there's probably something stuck up in the mechanism. Uh, if it won't take newer style bills, Tim, we know that sometimes they need updates, right? So like if you have an older change machine, it's not taking your new $5 bill. You may need a update to your change scanner thing. Mm-hmm. So what do they call that thing? Bill acceptor. Yeah. You may no you may need an update to your bill acceptor. That's very common. Uh, older, you know, if you buy a change machine at auction, Tim, I can almost guarantee you, you're probably going to need to do an update to it. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing though is that American and Rowe and, and Hamilton all have uh, people you can contact to get that done. Correct.
1: Yeah, they have to program or send a chip, or sometimes you have to send it to them and let them do it. But
0: correct. And we also have a good article here that I also posted down below here, Lashonda where it uh, goes over some basic troubleshooting steps for the most common brands, which are American, Hamilton. Of course, Tim, this brown one's a row, as you know. But you can find it at BillChangers.com slash troubleshooting-change-machines. And we have that link down below, too, as well, so you can check that out. Tim, anything else for LaShonda before we move on?
1: No, I don't think so. We would like to hear back from you, though, because we probably can help a little bit more in detail if we knew exactly... Take a picture, show us what you're talking about.
0: Absolutely. So, LaShonda, hopefully answer your question, and good luck getting the machine to take the funds. How about that? Is that yeah. a good way to do it? Okay, there we go. So, it made for a fun title. I thought about naming it a lot of different things, but that, <laughs> like I said, that just, it just hit me the right way when I saw it. So, mm-hmm. uh, thanks for asking the question, and, uh, and hopefully we can get that, uh, we can get that machine to take them, like I said. Okay, checking over on the live chat. Looks like we're all cut up still, Tim. Are they, are they asleep tonight? It's been uh, a long week. Right. <laughs> I, I know you guys are all asleep. Maybe when we get to the discussion portion, we'll have a couple of people chime in. Tim, literally, like four out of my five days were pedal to the middle the entire time I was at work, and then I came home and we had more work to do. It's been a it's been a week and a half.
1: I hear you. Uh, Same I mean, here. Tuesday,
0: I got to Tuesday. I'm like, is it Friday yet? Right. So, I mean, I'm I'm. You know, here's the thing. I always tell myself it's going to be busy. Because that means that if I'm busy, that means everybody else is busy, too. And hopefully that means I'm going to get a big bonus check at the end of the year. Because <laughs> so, right. my bonus is all based on how well we're doing as a company. So hopefully our company's doing good. If we're all busy, I think that's a good sign. So anyway. Okay, Tim, well, let us move on to the next question. This is from a new listener, Dead Air 801, and he says, love the show, new listener here. My question is, what kind of electronics classes would one take to increase knowledge on this subject? I don't want to wire up houses and things like that, but I would love to learn about how to build a harness and repair boards and whatnot. I just don't exactly know what this trade is called. Please forgive my ignorance. And, Tim, I don't think it's ignorance here. I think it is kind of hard to find specific classes related to this specific field. Now, uh Tim, what would you recommend here for Dead Air as far as, you know, how to learn, not really the, ele- like, not electrician's electronics, uh-huh. but electronics electronics.
1: All right. Well, he needs to buy all of our DVDs. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I like that. But, no, if you're... I would say that any basic electronics. So look at your local colleges. Here we have a junior college, we which did. is really good. Um, if e- even learning any kind of uh, direct current or AC currents, all that's going to really help you. So if you just have those 100 levels, I think that they would help you. Uh, probably, th- but you know, when I first started out, Jonathan, I know I didn't even know what AC versus DC was or anything. You know, but we had the Atari manual, and it really helped us. The one we call the book, the Bible. And I learned so much, even how to solder. There was good pictures in there. So if you like to read... Uh, I think watching videos, and not just us, there's a lot of good repair videos out there. I'm going to throw
0: a, a shout-out real quick to Randy Fromm. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, a lot of, Tim um, had a copy of the book for the longest time. You probably still have it around somewhere. Uh-huh. What's his, the big blue book? Big book, book,
1: big blue book. Big and blue he has book. a green book also. Yeah,
0: so we had the blue book and the green book, uh, which are great references. But Randy also does seminars. Uh-huh. And so if you can attend a Randy Fromm seminar, I promise it'll help you out tremendously. I mean, he he goes way more in depth than we do. Uh-huh. You know, Tim, if we're the foundation for the house, Randy can teach you how to build the rest of the house. <laughs> right. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. Uh, the stuff we go over here is very, um, operator-centric, right? I mean, we're trying to get games going so we can make money. Um, what Randy does, he, he, like I said, he can tell you how to build the rest of the house. So he right. can tell you how to do, get up into the, the board what? level chassis repair, board level, um, PCB repair, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I will put a big plug out to Randy. He he puts out some great content,
1: and we watched his videos and his series and stuff back when we were getting started. So I think part of it could be um, that type of education that you could get. Anything that you could get in electronics. Now, if you want to go further into circuits and and things like that, I think that that would be very beneficial. Um, if I had it all to do over again, I probably um, would have been an electronic engineer and would have taken a lot more electronics uh, classes. Most of mine was learned hands-on and what I was taught, and that's kind of how we do our videos. We're, they're hands-on. They're not super technical uh, on purpose. We want people to be able So if you'll keep watching, uh, but if you'll take some of those fundamental classes, I think they would help. By all means, they'll help. No matter what, you can even fixing your own um, household sockets or some, or repairing a washing machine or something. All those things will help. But one of the our purpose was to shoot all the videos and things that we've done to cut some of those, uh, you know, hurdles down and stuff where people could learn how to fix a game without having to have a degree and stuff like that. So hopefully. Those are those are some good things that we but I would highly recommend getting a copy of the book. I probably learn more uh from that one source than I have anywhere else.
0: Yeah. And the thing about Randy Fromm, um, he's got a lot of great information but it can it is very technical and if you don't have at least a basic foundational piece to before you start watching Randy Fromm, he may start talking up here. Right, and so you need to have like at least a base foundational understanding of how games work before you before you decide to go with Randy because Randy's going to take it he, he takes it like way above that and so if you don't it's kind of like a math him, if you don't understand the bottom you're you're not going to understand the, the the top level All right. So. Uh, but I will go ahead and throw, uh, this the outline up here. <clears throat> so many colleges, like to mention, offer electronics classes. Most will start you out with a digital systems or digital fundamentals type of course. And so from there, you may take classes on DC circuit, circuits. Uh, courses on logic controllers can also be helpful. So a digital systems or digital fundamentals course is usually where they're going to start you out. And those are great classes to start in electronics. And then if you want to get deeper, you really want to find classes that are going to talk about DC circuits, because that's what a lot of boards are made up of. Obviously, boards and chassis and things are all made up of DC uh, circuits. And then, of course, logic controllers are very helpful as well, Tim, because, you know, um, nowadays logic controllers are, are huge. We've got stuff like Arduino and Raspberry Pi and all these kind of things. Um, you know, they have these cool logic controllers on them. And so being able to control that kind of stuff is really nice. So, um, all of those are really great places to start with electronics. Um, there are also several books out there that are great for learning electronics. Tim mentioned the book. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which I have a, a screenshot of just the cover of the book. Um, but we have a whole post on recommended books for electronics repair that you should check out. And so the book was written, Tim, to, and you know this, I'm telling you, but mm-hmm. Dead Air 801. The book was written so that people who had never seen an arcade game before, knew how to repair it. And the right. reason why is because when Atari was shipping the, these games to operators, guess what? They would break. Right. And these operators had no idea how to fix them. Right. Okay? They were literally starting from scratch. And so the book starts from scratch. And that's why, for most people getting into arcade repair, it is the best place to start. It starts from, how do I wire... How do I connect two wires together? I mean, that base level. How do I check power on with, my, with a meter? We're talking about very base level. And so... If you're just starting out, the book is probably your best resource. And then once you get a little bit deeper into it, you may want to start looking at Randy Fromm stuff or maybe taking some digital systems, digital fundamentals, uh, courses at your local college and stuff like that. And that should get you a little bit, a little bit further in, right? Agreed. So, uh, DeadR801 hopefully answers your question, and uh, let us know what you decide to do. Yeah. If you decide to – if you read the book, let us know if you find it useful. If you end up uh, using one of our other books that we have on our um, uh, books for electronic repair, please let us know which one you use. If you end up taking a course, let us know where you took it at and if it was valuable to you. Or if you end up watching some of Randy Fromm's stuff, let us know if that helps you out as well. We'd love to know. we love feedback on all these sources because we feel like all these are valuable sources, right, Tim? Right. It just depends on where you really are in your arcade repair journey, I guess. So, so, uh, just let us know. So, uh, hopefully it answers your question, and uh, good luck in your quest for knowledge. How about that? Very good. Sounds good. Okay, Tim, we've got, uh, it looks like we have a question in the live chat from right. Robert. He says, hey guys, got a question for you. It's multi-part. I just picked up a space stool and completed my Asteroids trilogy collection. I got a good deal on it. However, the monitor was a G08, which is for Star Trek. It did not have the Wells Garner 6100, which is the more common of the two. Uh, new question, but I used, let's see, CGC Arcade Legends 3 with a 25-inch CRT. Uh, the CRT had bad burn-in. I know burn-in cannot be fixed. I saw somewhere that a sharp 25-inch TV can be put in some arcades. Is that an option if I should consider? Um, or you ever hear of a Geo-8 working with an Atari? So, as far as the... Um, Arcade Legends 25 inch with bad burn in. You can um there are two compatibilities with uh, Sharp TVs in particular. I'm not sure if it's true with that particular monitor that you have. So that depends. Uh Tim, we have a thing if the network if if the um, the neck board fits, then it's probably a match, but if the neck board doesn't fit, you must quit. It's yeah. kind of the way we say it around here if the neck board doesn't fit, you must quit. Uh typically, I mean you can I there may be some other things you can do to get around that, but typically if the neck board doesn't fit, we quit. We don't go any further. Um, there are so- still some, uh, some resources out there, Tim. And I think we still link to the junknet.net, uh, tube swap, uh, um, spreadsheet which has compatibilities for different tv monitors and different tubes and so whatever chassis you have you can probably find a compatible tube and sharp tvs do make for really good compatible tubes so if you are looking for one but you need to make sure though that whatever model you get it matches the number of pins and the socket on the neck board to the whatever tubes that you're trying to match it with that's very important
1: that's yeah, a good place to start, anyway. So
0: on the GO8 and the uh, working with an Atari, I think the GO8 will work fine with an Atari. Sure. Um, I don't think there's any problem with that. It should be fine. I don't. Um, I don't. I think I've seen that before. uh Tim, have you seen that before? A GO8 working in an Atari cabinet?
1: Surely. I was about yeah, to say. I, why I know it
0: doesn't. I mean, the Wells Garner um, 6100 may be the more common of the two. I know that we've probably seen it more, but the GO8 is very common as well. I mean, we've seen that in several vector games. So I can't. I can't imagine that it wouldn't be compatible with the Atari games as well. Uh and like I said, I think we even I'm pretty sure I've seen one with a with a GO eight in it. Pretty sure. So yeah. I think compatibility won't be an issue there. Uh Robert says if I could find everything uh everything for a Wolfgar sixty one hundred except the tube, can you use any tube or are vector tubes different?
1: They're different. They're
0: a little different. So um now with that said the GO eight tube may be compatible because it's they're both vector tubes and so I don't know that off the top of my head though if they would be compatible or not. I still think the G O eight will work though. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Tim, you have any objections with that?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, I think that the, I think the G08 tube will still be compatible with the Atari game. I mean, as long as you hook it up properly, I think it'll be fine. I don't think there's any incompatibilities there. So I think vector monitors will work in vector games and it doesn't matter, uh, brand or model. I could I be wrong so. about that, but you know it's, it's been a while since we worked on vector games got well, vector been a, games
1: been a few minutes
0: obviously it's not they're not something that's still around anymore and it's been a while since we, since they produce new vector games but uh i think yeah i think you'll be in good shape with the go8 if you just took it up and try it at least try it and see if it works and if it doesn't that tube may still be wor- uh workable for a 6100 as well so anything else no okay good good okay uh, he says, oh, also for your listener that is learning, I practice my soldering skills by buying those practice kits. Oh, Tim, I've got to mention that. So we just posted a deal on one of the FM, build your own FM radio kits. Okay. And Tim, that kit not only teaches you how to solder, mm-hmm. it has all the parts like on the paper strips where you can take the parts off the paper strips. You put it on the board and you solder mm-hmm. it. The manual will tell you what each piece does. Okay. So if you just want to get into the fundamentals of electronics, those kits are a fantastic place to start. That FM Radio 110 was 14 bucks. So for $14, you can get a really good understanding of electronics.
1: And if they go to our Facebook page and scroll back through some, you recently posted it, Yeah, just a couple you? days ago. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. And I don't know if it's still $14. Deal may have gone off. But those practice kits, like Robert said, invaluable. Uh, and we used to say, like, take old electronics and do it. You can. But those practice kits actually a lot of times will tell you what each part does. And that, to me, is more valuable than just randomly soldering or desoldering parts. Right. So uh, good stuff. So, oh, um, John says the voltages are different on the g 8 from the 6100. So the voltages may be different between the two. Okay. I don't think there's a problem though with compatibility though. I think you can still run the GO8 in Atari game. So, um, but the voltages may be different. So make sure that you hook up the correct voltage, uh, to whichever one it requires. So there's um there's a great troubleshooting guide on vector monitors Tim, and I can link to it. Robert, if you uh, send me an email and request it. Uh Go to questionsarcaderepairtips.com. Say, hey, do you have the manuals for um, vector monitor troubleshooting or for the two monitors? We can send you that information. And those manuals have everything that you're going to need as far as the compatibility between the two voltages that they take, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's probably what I would go by for sure. Okay. it's so. a
1: good idea.
0: Okay. Anything else? Okay. I think we're I think we're caught up, Tim. Let us move on to our quick question and answers. So we got some rapid fire here. I've got okay. three for you here, Tim, that we've picked out. Um, we've got the first one here on some Maunders stuff. The second one on a Cherry Master, like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, and the third one on some fuses. So let's go ahead and get to those right now. So we have Kumi, and she left this on our troubleshooting games that are playing blind video. It says, hi, you showed us what a fuse looks like, but you didn't show us the hot and the flyback as well as how to repair and replace them. Can you show this? So Kumi wants to see the hot and the flyback. Marvin has a Cherry Master. Everything on the monitor is in focus but the fruits and bars. They are blurry, but everything else looks good. Can you help? So we got a Cherry Master with blurry fruits and bars. Everything else is good. And then Corianne says she checked the fuse on her arcade game, but it does not have another fuse to compare it with. What do I do? And I think she's thinking value, Tim. So okay. like she's trying to make sure she had the right value in her game for the fuses, but she doesn't know. She's going to try to compare it to to a different one that was in her game, but she um but she there's not another one, so she's not sure what to do. So again, okay. Kumi has a uh, wants to know um, if we could show the hot and the flyback repair in our video. Marvin wants to know why his fruits and bars are blurry on his Cherry Master, and Corianne wants to know what value fuse she should put in whatever game that she's working on. So, Tim, let's take Kumi's first. Um, we don't show the hot and the flyback replacement in our right. video, but why don't we?
1: Well, there, we there we edited the video. It's actually just the extended cut on the DVD actually goes into a lot more depth and does show that process. So I would highly recommend that they get the DVD because it does have those areas that we didn't show, and that would probably be the easiest solution.
0: Absolutely. Okay, Tim and Marvin. Uh, he's got uh, blurriness on his fruits and his bars, but he doesn't have any blurriness anywhere else. What's going on?
1: It sounds like there's some kind of convergence or color imbalance or whatever, and they need to check um, to make sure that they need to go. He needs to go into his settings and stuff and make sure. That they're going through the color test and everything and see if everything's lined up or something that not. Cause word, it's weird that those would be blurry but not everything else.
0: And then Cory Ann says she doesn't have another fuse to compare this fuse to. How does she know that that fuse is good and that it's the correct value?
1: Well, you're gonna to need to check it with a multimeter, not just your eyesight. Which I assume is what she's doing is she's just looking at it and can't tell. Uh, but by checking it with a meter, you'll actually see if the fuse is good. If it's, uh, how it's rated and stuff. And it's, is imprinted on there. So it's very tiny and you do have some, now I used to could see that easily. Now I would probably have to get a magnifying glass and a good flashlight to see it. But check, one of the best things to do is to get the manual for the game and see what it's supposed to be. Cause even whatever you're pulling out there could have been replaced ten times and it may not be the exact one that's supposed to be there. So that may help also is to check the manual.
0: Sounds good. Well, Tim, I think we got them all, so let me go ahead and put the uh, the outline screen up here. So, Kumi, there is an extended cut of this video on our Volume 4 DVD that does show this. Okay? It does show our hot and flyback parts being replaced. And actually, Tim, <laughs> it actually shows us removing a flyback from another chassis because okay. we did not have another flyback. You know, this is a trivia thing. We did not have another flyback ready. We thought the hot was going to fix it. Right. And so, um, we ended up pulling a flyback off of a trash chassis and putting it on there. And it actually shows us desoldering the flyback from one chassis and putting it on the other chassis. So, cause, uh, Tim, we used to have a lot of bunch, a bunch of parts chassis, right? Mm-hmm. And so we had one. It was good stuff. But, um, you can pick up a copy of that extended cut, though, uh, on our volume four DVD at com slash store. So, uh, just go ahead and order that and it will have, um, that, Part of the video, so if you want that part of the video, highly recommend you do that. So Marvin, I have a picture here of a Sinistar where the um, the purity rings, convergence rings, whatever you call them, are misaligned, mm-hmm. and you can see here that the red looks clear, but that the Sinistar guy himself does not look so clear. Right. And so this is what Tim talks about with the color imbalance. Um, and so try using a color test to make sure all of the colors are, ba- are balanced. And it could be a convergence slash purity issue as well. So make sure that your convergence and purity rings are set uh, properly. And that, you know, that'll make a difference as well. So we have a video on adjusting the convergence rings that you can check out if you want to see that. Uh, Corian, make sure you use a multimeter to check whether or not the fuse is good. Um, check the manual for your game to see if it has the correct um, the correct fuse values. correct. So there you go. Make sure that you check the manual for your game. That should show you what the value should be. So there you go. Uh, Tim, is there anything else here that we want to say before we move on?
1: No, I don't think those were some quick questions. Uh, maybe some other additional comments or questions in the live chat.
0: Yeah, so John says um, for electronics learning, he recommends the Getting Starting electronics book by Forrest uh, meme, uh memes or memes? Mim, 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 Mimis? I forget. Um, but Mims. Mims. Uh okay. that is a, one of our recommended books. So if you're going to the recommended books on electronics repair, we do have that one listed on there. I believe uh, that's a very good book too. Mm-hmm. And I think Radio Shack—you can buy copies still. at RadioShack.com, believe it or not—that's okay. one of the books that they um, that they uh, that they really put out there for a lot of people to learn electronics. Uh, let's see, Retro, Mister Retrowolf says um, Ben Eater videos on YouTube for how computers work on a breadboard. Very good. So when I took a digital systems class in college, I got to do a lot of breadboarding. Uh, and breadboarding just allows you basically to hook up electronic components without having to have a printed circuit board to lay them on. Uh, so you can hook them up, uh, wire to wire, Tim, pin to pin, or wherever you're going, and, uh, you know, we had to make a little alarm clock that we had to wire up on the breadboard, so mm-hmm. that was like our final project thing, so. But, but breadboarding is a great way to learn about electronics and what different parts do for sure. Uh, Robert says he had a cracked neck on the G08, so that may be why he can't use it. Yeah, oh, if that's okay. the case, you're gonna, I mean, you're just gonna have to find another monitor. Um, hopefully, I mean, you could the 6100 is fine. I think either one would work. Like I said, you do need to watch the voltages, like John mentioned. But, um, but yeah, as far as tubes go, you will need to get another vector tube. Yeah. So uh, find a, a monitor with a vector or uh, find a vector tube monitor in order to replace. And and this is why a lot of vector games, unfortunately, have have started to um, you know, it's it, like yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, they're kind of devalued in a way because there's so many out there now where the monitor isn't working. And there are kits, Tim. I think there's a vector LCD kit now that will mm. allow you to use an LCD and it has a vector translation board on it. Nice. Um, but I, I forget if they ever put that into full production or not. If you do a search for Vector L, uh, Vector Arcade LCD, I'm sure it'll come up if it's still available. But there for a while, um, I want to say some people are working on a project to do that. But again, that means going LCD. And there's a lot of people who don't want to do that anyway. So I understand. But uh, anyway. Hey, Paul's here. Hey, Paul, how's it going? So mm. uh, good to have him here as well. Paul, you right, Tim. Okay, hey, Paul. So there you go. Okay, well, I think we're done with all the questions, except if something comes up in the live chat. Tim, um, I did want to talk about about uh, our travels, and okay. where you went, and where we went, and if you stopped in any arcades and stuff like that. Okay, so um, that's all I really wanted to do. So, uh, Tim, there's a couple of places that uh, we went. I'm sure there's a couple of places you went too. We went to Gulf Shores, Alabama, on vacation, and so we stopped at um, we stopped at two arcades along the way. Well, yeah, I guess two. Um, we stopped at one in Monroe, Louisiana. And so that was um, Tilt Studio in mm-hmm. Pecanland Mall. And Tim, it had to be one of the cleanest arcades I'd seen. It was oh, fantastic, nice. super clean. They had classic games there, too, like uh, fighting games, and uh, along with just like some regular classic arcade games, Ms. pac mans Donkey Kong, stuff like that. So uh, stuff, uh, really good stuff. And so I um, really had a good time there. And then we went to Lulu's Arcade at Lulu's in Gulf Shores, Tim. And uh, they had all the games that we like to play. My brother... Uh, Excuse me. My son is very big into Jurassic Park Arcade. That is like okay. his favorite game. He calls it Dino Shooting. <laughs> and so anywhere we find one of those, we have to play it. And so who knows how much money I've spent on Jurassic <laughs> Park Arcade. Uh, so Roth Rills and uh, Eugene Jarvis, you guys have all my money. Um, but, uh, great game. I had a great time just stopping at some arcades. So Tim, did you get a chance to play at any arcades while you're on your vacation?
1: No, honestly, um, it was, we were so packed in time. Of course, we drove all the way from here to, Uh, South Carolina about 14 hours and so by the time we got there we got to eat and see my son and he uh, got uh, got a promotion and we watched that it was about time to come home but it was funny because one of the arcades we drove literally right by within a block uh, and I was wanting to stop but by then we had been driving for 13 hours I was ready to get home Uh, but funny how uh, you went to one of the arcades. I drove exactly right by there, mm-hmm. and so um, I noticed how big it was. I couldn't believe how it had grown uh, over the years, uh, because that used to be an arcade that I went to when I was a teenager, but it was in another part of the mall. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to, to, do, to do much now. My son was playing some new games, so uh, what was he playing, John? You will know. He was playing something on Xbox that had all these, uh, Mar- Marvel and all the Warner Brother characters.
0: Uh, Multiverses?
1: That's what he was playing. Multiverses. So. He was playing multiverses and was watching that a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're multiverses I think it's just in beta right now. Yeah. But basically it's uh, Super Smash Brothers for Warner Brothers characters. Yep. Uh-huh. So um that's what it is. And they say it's really good. I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet, but it looks really fun. I love the I love that um Super Smash Brothers style of uh fighting game, I guess you will, where mm-hmm. it's not it's not about like life so much as it is getting knocked off your platform. Right. And so um it's very kid friendly. Um so I, I look forward to multiverses, hopefully I'll get to play it. Um, YouTube bug says, Tilt Studio, are they affiliated with the original Tilt? I think they are. I think it is actually a, a part of Tilt... Um, but Tilt Studio had mostly Redemption games, Tim, but like I said, they had a back corner with classic games, some fighting games, Tim. Actually, the back corner kind of looked like my my room here. <laughs> um, it had like a couple, it had Tick and Tag Tournament, they had a um, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 in Showcase Cabinets, um, and then they had, like I said, a Ms. Pac-Man, a Donkey Kong over in that corner. Not all of those were working, but all the Redemption pieces were in really great shape. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them were. I was surprised. They had a bowl, two bowling lanes that you could swipe your card and use your credit to bowl on, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. So, so, Like, there wasn't an attendant there, and they had like a shooting that a putt putt, a glowing dark putt putt, but there was nobody there either. You just swiped your card and it spit out a ball. Oh,
1: okay. and then there were
0: golf clubs over to the side.
1: Oh, yeah, so, you there. know,
0: so I mean, it's like none of that required an attendant. There were maybe two attendants in the entire place, mm-hmm. which was crazy to me. That's so, it. I mean, it was huge. I mean, we're talking about probably the size, Tim, of a Dillard's.
1: Okay, yeah. Okay, just
0: to give you an idea of the size. So, I mean, it was a gigantic Oddly enough, package. I think it
1: was a deal. It like. probably
0: wasn't one time. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. But all the games were really spread out, and they were all at angles. They weren't, like, lined up like what you'd probably see in a traditional arcade more of. Um, but uh, it was, I tell you what, um, clean is all get out. Golly. I, I, there's, you know, a lot of times you go to arcades, they feel dirty and nasty. Mm-hmm. This did not feel dirty and nasty at all. So somebody definitely knew the, um, the, uh, the, the meaning of preventive maintenance, right? Good. Mm-hmm. So there you go. But anyway, highly recommend that arcade. Now, Tim, part of that could be, too, that it's right off the interstate, and so it probably gets a lot of travel, and so they probably try to keep it in good shape, you know. Carpet's clean, everything like that. You know, um, when you've been operating for a long time, you notice a lot of that stuff, you know.
1: And if you're going through Louisiana on I-20, Monroe is really almost halfway in the middle of the state. Correct. So Shreveport and Vicksburg are here, and here's Monroe in the middle. So it's a good stop if you're going from Dallas, say, to Atlanta or somewhere, it's a good stop if you want to try out Tilt Arcade.
0: Absolutely. So there we go. but yeah, we went there and then uh Lulu's arcade which had a really good selection of some newer stuff, some older stuff. Uh they had like a Mario Kart arcade Tim, um, some other things. It was I mean we I had fun. Uh the kids I wish I would have taken more pictures, but you know, with kids it's really hard right. to hold credits, hold kids, take pictures right. and all this kind of stuff. So, uh my kids and they each get a card and so they each want to go in like ten different directions. And right. so uh we played Luigi's Mansion arcade, which is really fun. I really uh and like I said, I can't tell you how much I play Jurassic Park Arcade. I've beaten that game who knows how so many times now. <laughs> I have captured all the dinosaurs there are to capture Tim. Um, so, uh, like I said though, Raw Thrills, they're, they're probably still thinking over that. Every time I go to one too, people, people are playing it. Yep. So it obviously fun makes game. money. But anyway. So I got to play some games. It's always fun. You know, Tim, we say fix the game, play the game. Sometimes we just want to play the game. And so we, I got to play some games really excited about that. It was a good vacation. Glad to be back. Um now Delusionals Arcade says, so Is today Thursday. Um you missed you missed the point the part where Tim explained why we had to move to Friday this week. <laughs> uh Tim, would you like to tell us again?
1: Um yesterday was my anniversary, so I chose to take my wife to dinner instead of live chat. Sorry guys. Yeah.
0: Now when he didn't I, tell life, me this though until Wednesday. Yeah, right, Wednesday. <laughs>
1: because I forgot. <laughs> what well, day it was? Cause we've been on vacation and driving for fourteen hours. But I knew something was coming up that week. I'm going
0: to put. It, yeah, I, I've got Tim's phone right here. I'm about to put. I'm going to put a, the reminder in here. Yeah you know, We're it's gonna...
1: funny. Uh, we actually have a picture on a wall and it has our initials we we ordered it it looks like our initials carved tells the day we got married and we both laugh because we say if that wasn't there neither one of us would remember what day it was <laughs> so uh guys don't forget your anniversary anyway yeah maybe.
0: exactly so that's why we had to move to friday um hopefully it wasn't too co- inconvenient for you guys glad that you were able to make it today tim we're going to reward everybody for okay. being able to make it today or reward one person right so i have this cool karate champ mini arcade and if you will send an email to contest at com, you will be entered to win this, and I will ship it out to one of you. I don't know who. Maybe All I'll right. let Tim decide. I All don't right. know. <laughs> contest at arcaderepairtips.com. Put your name, shipping address in there so we know where to send it to. And if we choose you, I'll just ship it to you. Okay? This is a Karate Champ. I've got a bunch of these around the game room, so I was like, let's just give one away tonight, right? Yep. So Contest at ArcadeRepairchips.com. Um here in a minute while Tim's doing some uh talking, I'll I'll put it in the live chat so you guys can see. But if you're here only if you're here live. Now, um, those of you who are listening on the podcast feed, by the time you hear this uh, or you watch the YouTube recording, it's gone.
1: Right. Okay, we'll so give it away.
0: Right, exactly. Probably by tomorrow we'll determine who the winner is and I'll email the winner and let them know that they won. So again, send your full name, your address to Contest at ArcadeRepairchips.com contest at arcade repair and if you're one of the lucky winners you will get this. So so again, if you're watching this after the fact, you're probably ineligible, but otherwise, if you're here right now live, contest at arcade repair com. I will remind you again before the end of the show. So for those of you guys who aren't watching, we'll uh We'll, uh, give you guys it. And I can see the contest entries as they come in. I was actually checking, checking it just to make sure that everything was working. But contest at arcaderepairchips.com is where you want to send it to, guys. Um, so go ahead and, go ahead and send your emails there. We need your name, we need your shipping address, because it won't get to you otherwise. So name right. and shipping address, uh, and contest at com if you want to be entered for a Karate Champ Mini Arcade. Uh, YouTube Punk says, Boo, you should have brought your wife with her on as, as a guest. <laughs> Well, with
1: that, Tim. Uh, well, it's a, it's an idea, but I don't <laughs> think you' would go for it.
0: There you go. So, um, no, it is what it is. We moved it, you know. So, um, no harm, no foul. You guys are all here, and so I think we're in good shape. But anyway, sorry about the day delay. You know, first Thursday night of every month, except for in August. So, there you right. Go. Okay. Oh, I also mentioned. I forgot to mention, Tim, that uh, we had a little church outing at our local arcade, which is called Grand Slam. Uh And when I went there, though, there was a cruising blast, Tim, that was in a... um a, basically a drive imaging mode. It was just sitting there. I won't put the... I have a picture of it. I took a mm-hmm. picture. But it was literally like sitting there just imaging the hard drive like while everybody else was just playing games. Uh-huh. So I don't know what happened, but obviously it had a corruption or something like that. So um, I um hopefully they can get that one back up and running. Uh, I will say this Grand Slam does a pretty decent job of keeping all their games up. Uh With most of right. those redemption pieces, though, and, and most of them are fairly new, it's not hard to do, you know? But those games get a lot of play, and they do a decent job of keeping everything up. So... uh So good for our, good for our friends here locally. Grand Slam is a good place to go. John says a 90 degree, 90 degree 19 inch tube for Ampliphone. 100 degree for the um, Wells Garner 6100 and Geo 8. So there you go. So a little bit of information there for Robert. I think Tim that was looking for that replacement vector monitor earlier. Is that John that said that? Yes. Thank you,
1: John, for that additional information. There we go.
0: Okay, Tim. We're moving on to our discussion section of the show, and tonight we've got a couple of different things that we put on the. If you guys obviously saw the little in, uh, the little slide for this episode, you've probably seen down at the bottom. But Tim, they just announced the Queen Pinball Machine, and that's Pinball Brothers who will be manufacturing it. And I've got a couple of the details here, so you can see. Um, so Pinball Brothers reveal Queen Pinball Machine. This is from Pinball News com. Tim, a okay. Swedish pinball company, Pinball Brothers, have officially announced the launch of their new Queen pinball machine. There are custom voice callouts uh, from the surviving band members, and while the game includes 14 famous Queen tracks, the game is themed around the band's live performances. Tim, mm-hmm. and for those of you guys who have ever even seen a live Queen concert, like on video, I mean the amount of energy that they brought to the stage is amazing. So, I mean, I can imagine why. I can imagine that's the reason why they decided to go with the live performances versus, like, music videos or anything. It features live versions of the tracks and shows concert footage of the band performing them on the 18-and-a-half-inch LCD panel. Um, The main playfield feature is a red special upper playfield model, and that's a guitar. The red special upper playfield model, it's modeled around Brian May's famous guitar, Tim. And you can see a picture of it here, like, just a little... Piece of it, so you can see. And Tim, I believe that they had done a prototype of this at one point that we got to see, but this is them announcing that it is going into full production and that we will see these coming out of Pinball Brothers very soon. And so, if you're a mem- if you're a fan of the band Queen, or if you're just a you know if you just like their music or something like that, you might want to consider this. I mean, it looked like both models were going to sell around the 10k mark, okay. US, I guess. So you're looking about 9,500, I think, for the um, for one model, and I think like. Ten nine nine five for the upper model, so almost eleven thousand. So nine and a half for one, eleven for the other, something like that. Two different models, but um, you know, it looks interesting. Uh, hopefully, we'll get a chance to play one. Somebody here in the states will grab one, Tim, and we can check it out. So, but uh, Tim, are you a pretty big Queen fan? You like their oh, music? Oh yeah,
1: I love. Anybody grew up in the '80s loves Queen.
0: Absolutely, good mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but yeah, just uh, looking forward to that. Always looking forward to new pinball machines, Tim. it's always cool. So, uh, Delusional says they probably went for live music because the rights to the recorded albums are locked. Could be that too. So, really? absolutely, so. Uh, Tim, this is a pretty big story right now, and that is that um, they actually are going to release the Sega Genesis Mini in North America. Tim, we didn't know if we were going to get any here right. um, because it had been announced for Japan, but it had not been announced for here. It has been announced for here. So Sega's next mini retro console is also making its way to North America. The Sega Genesis Mini 2 will launch in North America on October 27th, Sega confirms. The Genesis Mini will have more power in a library of 50 classic games previously unreleased on the Genesis Mini. Uh, this will also include some Sega CD titles, too. Some of the games include Sonic CD, Sonic 3D Blast, uh, Silphied, um Afterburner 2, Virtual Racing, and OutRun. So, there you go right there. we got some, uh, we got it coming. Now, Tim, uh, there have been subsequent stories that have come out about this saying that they're only going to produce about 10% of the amount that they produced for the last Genesis Mini. Okay. 10%. Wow. Which means that if you want one, you need to pre-order. And, Tim, I have our pre-order link down below if you guys are going to pre-order it. Right now, it's running about, I think, $120, which I know sounds like a lot. But apparently what happened, Tim, is that Sega of Japan is the one manufacturing all of these. Mm-hmm. And the last one was done by Sega of America. So okay. this one's just done by Sega of Japan. And so when Sega of Japan placed their order, they said, well, we want mostly Japanese, but give us, like, a little bit of, a, of the North American version, too. And so basically what we're getting is just that little bit of the North, North American version. I see. So if you really are a Sega fan, you really want that, you need to pre-order. It's only available from from Amazon right now. And like I said, it's $120 with shipping, something like that, and it is sold by Sega of Japan. And so if you really want that as a collector's item for your collection, make sure you go ahead and pre-order it to guarantee that you will get it. So I don't know if – I guess I don't know how profitable the first one was. Maybe it wasn't profitable enough for them to produce like a whole line like they did the last time. Interesting. Obviously Nintendo didn't have that problem. No, because Nintendo was able to sell out the NES classics and the SNES classics really quickly. So, me—I don't know if they overproduced or what, but um, you know, it. There's a reason why they're producing less. It must not have been a men- big money maker for them. That's the only thing I can figure. So, if be. you want one, pre order link down below in the show description. Get you one now because don't know how many there'll be. Uh, let's see, Tim. Toys R Us is making a comeback. So, Toys R Us is making a comeback. What to know about the big return, thanks to Macy's. So, Toys R Us is coming back in a big way thanks to an expanded partnership with Macy's. Beginning in July, Macy's will start the process of bringing the beloved Toys R Us brand to every Macy's store in America this holiday season, according to a press release. The in-store shops, which are slated to continue rolling out through October fifteenth, will vary in size, ranging from a thousand square feet in smaller locations to up to ten thousand square feet in flagship locations. Now, Tim, uh, every Macy's store is going to get a Toys R Us section.
1: Okay, everyone,
0: everyone. Nice. So, if you have a Macy's near you, there will be a Toys R Us sec- uh, section in there. It is coming out. Uh, they, they should be done with all of that by October fifteenth, is what they're saying. Okay. So, you know, if you want to take your kid to have a Toys R Us-like experience, then you're going to have to find a Macy's somewhere real close to you to do that. I, I kind of I, I tell my daughter all the time, I feel like she was like the last Toys R Us kid. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, she's, she's probably one of the last kids that's going to remember, her generation is the last one that's going to remember actually going to a Toys R Us. Right. You know, I mean, I, I guess, are there stores like that, Tim, that are just filled, like, from ceiling to floor with toys anymore? I mean, I know you go to like, you go to like Target, you go to Walmart, yeah. obviously those places Walmart have toys and things, yeah. but I mean, that was the thing about Toys R Us, it was uh, literally stealing the floor toys everywhere the entire place, so, I miss Toys R Us, I do, I like real Toys R Us, but right. if we can get it back in any form, I'm okay, so hopefully, hopefully this is the start of big things, hopefully Toys R Us will come back, uh, you know, just, I don't know, I have a lot of fond memories of that brand. Me too. So, speaking of fond memories, Tim, how about Tron? Okay. You've got some 40-year fond memories of Tron, because now it's 40 years old. Wow. So... Uh, Tron, Disney's most non-franchised franchise, is 40 years old. Disney's Tron was released on July 9th, 1982 with critical acclaim for its visuals and marks off for having a nonsensical story. Tim, would you agree with that?
1: I would agree.
0: There you go. Uh, Tron found decent success at the box office. The film even managed to score Oscar nominations at the at the 55th Academy Awards for sound and costume design. The film was also followed up by Tron Legacy in 2010. While Legacy would go on to become its own box office success, attempts at continuing Tron haven't gone well. Considering Disney now owns Marvel and Star Wars, a revival for Tron seems unlikely. So uh, that is unfortunate. Uh, Tim, so I, you know, when it came out, I was only three months old at that time, just to tell you how old I am. (laughs) And so I saw Tron, I think, on the Disney Channel when I was like five or six was the first time I watched it. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I like the visual style, and obviously the story, I couldn't grasp the story at that time. I kind of got it more as I got older. And now I'm a computer programmer. I'm, like, a lot more fond of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was definitely something that was hard, I think, for kids to grasp, for sure, and even some adults. Uh, but it, it's still something that's very fond to me. And, and people talk about the 2010 reboot being really, um, really bad. I liked it. I liked it, too. I, I, I mean, look... Both of them are not like the greatest movies in the world. I totally get that, but they're right. entertaining and they're fun, and, and I like them. So, uh, I attempt something else that's forty years old. Is on my shirt so i have my bucky's 40th anniversary I shirt on 40 so. so um it says on the back we're gonna party like it's 1982 that's the year i was born <laughs> so uh, that's why we have it so bucky's if you guys don't know what bucky's is and anybody who's road trip through the southern part of the united states should <laughs> um but uh bucky's is the best gas station ever with a <laughs> million pumps a million clean bathrooms and snacks and foods from all over the place right. so and shirts So, you know, uh, and just look for the beaver when you're on the interstate. I I promise you'll find one.
1: When I was in New York, somebody asked me, Was everything bigger in Texas? I said, You ever been to Bucky's? And they said, No, what's a Bucky's? I said, If you want, when you get off the plane, Google Bucky's. Go there first and get some gas. Uh-huh. Uh, and I said, "You'll know if everything's bigger." And bigger <laughs> That's <you
0: know>? right. <laughs> Bucky's <laughs> Buc- was started here, but they do have them, I think, right. across They're the entire in, southern part of the United States. I saw States where thing.
1: they were building one in Auburn, Alabama, coming up. So
0: there's one in. Um, uh, a little bit past Mobile, between yeah. Mobile and Gulf Shores, Tim, that we stop at quite quite often. I can't remember what city that is, but uh, there's one in Alabama. They're they're all over the place, but the majority of them are here in Texas. And so, if you've never been to a Bucky's, it's quite the experience. And us in, us people in Texas are very proud of our Bucky's because mm-hmm. it started here. And so, uh, definitely need to make sure you check it out if you've ever come down this way. So let me see here. Uh, Delusional says F.A.O. Schwartz in New York City is still a dedicated Toy store, him. Okay, so there you go. Most uh, famously seen in Big with Tom Hanks playing the um, the foot piano. The foot I, foot have piano. Vid- I have a I have a picture of me on the foot piano. Right. I have been to that store. I did not realize it was still around, but I I have a a, a picture of me and my wife on the big piano.
1: Right. And.
0: Speaking of people from Texas, uh, the lady who was at the big piano said, where are y'all from? And we said, Texas. Well, she didn't say, where are y'all from? She said, where are you guys from? Uh-huh. And we said, from Texas. And she's like, that makes sense. People from Texas are always getting on this thing. <laughs> you know why? Because we're playful people here. Right. I so that's that. why all the arcade games are around. So, you know, um, the big piano is awesome. So if you ever get a chance to go to FAO Schwartz in New York City, go get on the big piano. You promise you won't be disappointed. Uh, let's see. Glenn says, I like the music of Daft Punk on the reboot. Yes, man, the album. Get the vinyl version of that. All right. The Daft Punk uh, soundtrack for Tron uh, Tron Legacy, it is fantastic. So you will not be disappointed. Uh, let's see. Paul says, we always stop at Bucky's. Spend at least 50 bucks every time. That's what I'm talking about, exactly. Paul. We knew you would um, because Bucky's is the place to go. Um, and like I said, there's a ton of them here in Texas So because they started here. And I heard the guy interviewed, um, Bucky is his um, nickname. And so when they were trying to think of a mascot, for some reason, a beaver just seemed to fit, is what he said. And so they did the beaver. There's always a big statue of Bucky the beaver out there, Tim, that you can take Mm -hmm. a picture with if you want to. Um, Here's the thing, though. They're not all the same. Some are bigger than others. I will Mm -hmm. say that. The one in Alabama is small. But um, what's um, the one in Terrell is probably medium-sized. Uh What's the one like going to uh, Austin, Tim? That one's pretty big. I can't remember the name of it.
1: There's one in San There's one in San Antonio. There's, there's, some, there's so many of them. They in vary Texas. in
0: size. Uh, they, they're well, not I know, all the same,
1: but they're all big. I know that they just built one. Um... Out of, out of Texas, it was the biggest one. And oh, okay. Texas said, hold my beer, you can't do that. <laughs> we gotta have the biggest one. So now they're building an even bigger one. And I just stopped at one in Ennis the other day. There's one in Roy City now. Yeah, Roy City. That's right. Uh, that is a big one. And mm-hmm. so I'm not sure what the biggest one is now, but I know that the biggest one is fixed to be built back in Texas. Cause we couldn't have anybody outdo us on the, even on Bucky's side. Now,
0: fun fact about Bucky's Tim is that when they go into a place, basically they try to negotiate no sales tax on their end or that they get to keep a portion of the sales tax for a certain amount of time. Did you yeah, know that?
1: Yeah, I did not. Yeah, know
0: that. so so basically, hey, we're going to bring all this commerce and stuff to your city, but we want like a little bit of a sales tax holiday, you know, until or at least, you know, for a little bit, like for a 4 or 3 5-year term or something like that. And they do that because they know they're going to bring people in. People all are right. going to come to Bucky's and they're not just going to stop at Bucky's. They're going to stop at everything around Bucky's. Mm-hmm. Um the one in Terrell. Tim, it used to just be open field there. But now there's like a whole shopping center. There's like 15, 16 places to eat. There's like hotels there. And so even though they're not making the sales tax on the buck, the city's not making the sales tax on the Buckies, everybody else is pitching into that sales tax, I promise you. So, um, Paul says the one in Atlanta is gigantic. So there you go. I mean, they're all over the place in the South. So, but again, here. Glenn says vinyl rules. That's right. Vinyl Mm -hmm. rules. Um, Tim, my, my favorite album of the year I just bought on vinyl. And, uh, I can't remember the name of it. I'll tease that for the live show. Okay. Or the after show. The after show, I'll tell you, so far I've got a, um, I've got a, uh, in the, the one that's leading the pack for best album of the year, uh, I got recently on vinyl for me, and I'll tell you what that is in the after show.
1: Okay. A new. New. New album. Released this okay. year. Yeah, every right.
0: year I pick an album that's kind of my album of the year. Okay. And so this one so far is my album of the year. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I mean my music choice, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know what you would call it. I'm all over the place. I listen to pop. I listen to classic stuff, obviously. 70s, 80s, and 90s. I can't get away from that. Um, but I listen to new pop as well, which I, I am still a, I have been top 40 person forever, Tim. Like, I like top 40 from the 70s, the 80s, 90s, and today. So, I mean, I listen to all of it. So, um, but with that in mind, I have an album. We'll tell you about it in the after show. Okay. Uh let's see, Mr. Retro Wolf, we just got one in Katie a little while ago, Tim. So there's a Bucky's in Katie now. So there you go. So this is my shirt. If you guys don't know what a Bucky's is, you need to figure it out. Next time you're down south somewhere, make sure you look it up if you're near one. So Okay, Tim, moving on here. Now, we already talked about Tron, but Mm -hmm. uh, we also had a death in the Tron family, if you will, and that is David David Warner. Warner, Okay, he recently died at age 80. Um, British actor David Warner, who starred in Star Trek and Tron, among many other projects, has died aged aged 80. The BBC reports that Warner died of a cancer-related illness. His family shared the news with an overwhelming heavy heart. Fans of the original Tron movie will remember him for his roles as Sark, Dillinger, and the Master Control Program, the MCP. Right, Tim? Right. So, um, yes, and he played those parts really well because man, he was a good villain too. I mean, I, you may it may have a nonsensical story, but you knew who the bad guy was. Right. Just saying. He's, so um,
1: played that part great.
0: He did exactly. So I mean, look, you can only do what the script tells you to do. Right. But he, I, I really think he went uh, maybe above and beyond that in his acting ability. It really, really shows up on screen in Tron just how well he does, and Star Trek as well. So if you're familiar with his work from that, so. Anyway, so so sorry to hear that. Uh just you know thoughts and prayers with this family during this time, you know, difficult time for anybody, losing a loved one, obviously. So now, Tim, this story broke today. Okay. Okay, and mm-hmm. so we're gonna go ahead and cover it real quick. Uh if we would have done the live show last night, we wouldn't We'd have been able to cover it. it, like we mentioned.
1: It must so, have been a reason.
0: Exactly. So there you go, worked out for us. But Arcade One Up had a live stream today, and on that live stream, Tim, they announced that they were going to release a Marvel vs. Capcom two cabinet. Now, mm-hmm. pre-orders will go live on September 8th, okay, so you guys can get your pre-orders on this. I don't know what the cost is going to be. Some people were saying that they said during the live stream it's going to be about 600 Okay. Okay, just to give you an idea. But Arcade went up. We'll be releasing a Marvel vs. Capcom 2 cabinet. Okay. Games include Marvel vs. Capcom 2, Marvel Marvel vs. Capcom, Marvel Super Heroes vs. Street Fighter, X-Men vs. Street Fighter, Marvel, Marvel Super Heroes, X-Men Children of the Atom, X-Men Mutant Apocalypse, and Marvel Super Heroes in War of the Gems. Tim, you're basically getting the entire mm-hmm. Versus series. Right. Here from Capcom in this one cabinet. Uh, the riser or the cabinet will also come with a light-up marquee, a custom riser and Wi-Fi online play. Pre-orders will start on September 8th, like we mentioned, with shipments going out just a few weeks later. And right now, we believe the price is going to be 600, But Tim, I would not be surprised if it's more than that. Um considering you're getting eight games here, I mean I could see it ranging from six hundred to eight hundred dollars. There may be shipping on that six hundred that takes it up to that amount. I don't know. But um, Look, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 for fighting game fans, Tim may have been the pinnacle of arcade fighting games. I think so. uh, for most people, I think we have very fond memories of playing Marvel vs. Capcom 2. It's a very great. It's a great game. I love that game, Tim. I still play it to this day, and I know a lot of you guys do too. The question is, are you going to buy it? Mm-hmm. So, for you guys out there, if you're in the live chat, if you are a Marvel vs. Capcom 2 fan, are you going to buy this cabinet? If it's six hundred or eight hundred dollars, somewhere in between there. Are you going to buy it? Are you okay playing it on Mame or Xbox or PlayStation or Dreamcast or whatever, or whatever other platform you're playing it on? Let us know in the live chat. I want to hear your thoughts for sure.
1: They should have made it in a blue cabinet.
0: Just a blue. Well, a big. They could have put it in the a big blue. More. Yeah. They, well, they have a little big blue Street yeah, Fighter. Have right. you seen that one? Yeah. So they could have technically put it in that. Uh, Tim, we actually had a Marvel vs. Capcom two in a big blue we that we sold for eighteen hundred dollars. Which seemed like a lot at the time, but that it's guy probably up. got the better end of the deal because that I thing's so. probably worth who knows how much now. So um, we had it on location; it made really decent money for us. It was a great, it was a great game. Uh But you know, if somebody comes up and says eighteen hundred dollars, Tim, I think we listen, right? Yep. And that's we what did. That happened. Yeah, we did. And we so, actually
1: put a number we thought nobody would buy it.
0: Yep, and somebody bought it. Somebody so, bought it. There it is. So it was fine. It's, I mean, but Big Blue is definitely the cabinet I think of when I think of Marvel versus Capcom two or a showcase cabinet. I think we've seen it in both those, right? Mm-hmm. But there's really no other cabinet I think of like that. Maybe like a converted Midway, but not so much. So if you plan on getting the arcade one up version, let us know. And then Tim, uh, I think uh, YouTube punk, Retro Amigo on Twitter uh, sent us this thing that uh, uh, he wanted us to be aware of. A lot of people, if you're not aware of the Amazon smile program, it allows you to basically donate a portion of what you buy to a charity without, without, basically to, with no cost to you. Right. And so what he wanted us to mention is that Project Pinball is one of the charities you can donate to. Nice. So if you're a regular Amazon consumer, consider consider signing up for the Amazon Smile program. Again, this doesn't cost you anything, but it will make donations to the charity of whatever your choice is through this program. Amazon will donate about half a percent of your eligible purchases to your favorite charitable organization. This program allows you to help your favorite nonprofit organization with no fees or costs incurred on your part. Let me repeat that. No fees and no cost. Uh, incurred on your part so project pinball is among the charities listed on the platform be sure to select them from the list to start your contributions today this is a great way to help these organizations out so i have the little screen here tim you can see that the when i did search for project pinball it was the second charity that came out there's also a pinball outreach project which is a little bit different but um, most people i think are familiar with project pinball uh, Tim, we've talked about it a lot in the past. It's a very worthy organization, and so you should probably, uh, you should probably, you know, if you're not already doing the Smile program through another charity, you should consider doing Project Pinball. It's definitely a worthy charity, uh, considering, especially considering, uh, that we all love arcade games and pinball machines. Mm-hmm. So, uh, definitely if you're not a part of that, go ahead and sign up at smile.amazon.com and select Project Pinball for your charity. So, Tim, I think we're about done here. I did want to get a, I did want to, uh, go over the live chat real quick and just see what people said about the Marvel vs. Capcom 2 cabinet. YouTube Punk says pass on it. Mr. Dwayne 79 said played it with the boy all the time back when he was in elementary school. He's now 19. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Um, let's see. Mr. Dwayne says it's a buy for him. Okay. Okay. So I mean and that's no point. Pr- look everybody's going to be different here. I think the fact that they're giving you the riser with it is a pretty big deal so I mean and it has the light up marquee so you're probably expecting to pay at least 600 like I said it may mm-hmm. creep on up there to 800 I wouldn't be surprised but I think it's fair for what you're getting now I think it was um, uh, it was uh, you know some of the guys here uh, they were looking at it and saying regular show in particular saying it's not a, it's not a Capcom cabinet it's a Midway cabinet mm-hmm. and, and Tim I don't know I mean it looks like a Midway cabinet but I don't know here I'm going to put this back up I mean, that just looks like generic arcade cabinet to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, does it look... If you, I mean, I know it looks like a midway cabinet a little bit, but man, how many arcade cabinets look like that? Right. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I understand, like, for those of you guys... The problem is, is they did put mid... Um, arcade 1Up has put midway games in this cabinet... But to me, if you're just looking at it, it looks like a generic cabinet. And Tim, I'm sure it's way cheaper for them to just produce generic cabinet than it is to make individual cabinets for each game. Like they did for like Tron and, and some of the other games. And so I don't blame them for reusing this same template. Yes, it's close to a midway cabinet. But man, I mean, it could just as easily be a generic cabinet too. So, I mean, to me. So, it just depends. But, so I'm not giving them a hard time on that. I think if it was in the Big Blue cabinet, it would be pretty cool, Tim. I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Because it just seems like that's the cabinet that people
1: associate, excuse me, with, associate that
0: with the game. Absolutely. So, I mean, we had one in a Big Blue. Mm-hmm. We had one in a Big Blue. It was fantastic. So, um, you know, with that in mind, I think Big Blue would have been a, a better choice. And considering they'd already done Big Blue, I think it would have been better. Mm-hmm. But it probably would have added to cost, too. Because their big blue cabinet is taller than pretty much every other game that they have. Hmm. So cost may have been an issue there as well. So anyway.
1: But once again, they did not
0: ask us. Correct. (laughs) Yeah, we had no input on that, so it is what it is. But anyway okay Tim well I think that about wraps it up for the regular show I do want to mention real quick that uh, the same thing we mention every every show Tim and that's that we want your arcade related videos if you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel we're looking for people to submit short videos 10 minutes or less about arcade related topics send a link of your video to questions at ArcadeRepairTips.com and our staff will review it if we like it we will use it during one of our live show episodes make sure you put a plug in for your channel so people will know where to find you we look forward to seeing your submissions Tim we haven't gotten any submissions in a long time but anytime you guys want to submit something we'd be happy to promote that on our channel uh our whole goal here is to try to help people get more subscribers and right. so if you're an arcade related channel and you need help getting a couple more subscribers we'd love to promote that content on our channel so maybe we can get you over a hump if you're trying to get monetized or something like that so uh, please send them to questions at arcaderpairtips.com if you have any videos you'd like to submit Now, Tim, I do want to remind everybody contest at arcaderepairtips.com. Okay, and we will pick, we will select a winner for this nice mini Karate Champ, uh, arcade machine.
1: Your chances are really good right now.
0: Yeah, that's right. I don't think we've gotten many submissions. I can see. Um, let me see real quick. I'll check, I'll check the leaderboards, Tim. Is that what I need to do? Is that what this is called? Mm -hmm. So, uh, let's see here. Do we have any? Okay, I think we're getting some in. Okay, they're coming in. They're coming in. They're trickling. But your, your chances are really good right now, so if you send an email to contest at arcaderepairtips.com, uh, then you can get one of these. I'm going to go ahead and put it in the live chat for you guys while Tim uh, models and shows off this in his Vanna <laughs> White pose. So, Yep.
1: Y'all can see it really good up here. It's the Karate Champ. It's got the, got the side art. That's both sides. Little mini joystick and stuff. Fun game. Very fun micro player you got quite a collection of these Jonathan these are just kinda good never been opened you can just set it up on your shelf or you can actually get it out and play it everybody knows by now you know if you want to hold the value to not open it but and then, then again, you don't get to play it. So
0: That's right. So, again, this has not been open, like Tim mentioned, so it is still sealed. There's a little piece of tape over that and on the bottom as well. The box is a little beat up, Tim, but, you know, it is what it is. So Karate Champ Mini Arcade 2, uh, and we're going to draw, me and Tim will go through the list and select one at random, or we'll do a random number generator, and one of you guys will get a free Karate Champ Mini Arcade. Just for watching tonight. Again, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed or if you're watching this video after the fact, then you probably missed out. And what I would tell you, Tim, is be back here next month for the next live show, and you will have a chance to win as well, right? Yep. We'll probably give something else away. Because, Tim, if you're looking – if Tim's looking at the game room, there's a ton of junk in here that I need to get rid of. So I figured we'd start with this tonight. Okay. So mini Karate Champ arcade game completely sealed, brand new to – anybody who to somebody who sends an email to contest at arcade repair com. so uh just a little reward for those of you who are here live so there we go okay tim well let us go ahead and oh is that the one up version is what somebody says. Yes, absolutely. No. Uh-huh. this is, No, it's, those are bigger than this. Right? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's being funny.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So, YouTube punk, it is what it is. No.
1: That's a 25 cent version. Yeah,
0: exactly. This is, yeah. Um, I don't know, Another you know, one. to your G.I. Joe, it may be full size. Right. So, there you go. But, anyway. So, contest at ArcadeRepairTips.com to be entered to win that. And then let's see what else we got here. Let's go ahead and talk about our contact information real quick, Tim, for those of people who want to actually contact us. You guys can email us at questions at ArcadeRepairTips.com, questions at ArcadeRepairTips.com. Put live show in the subject to get it mentioned on the show. Otherwise, we'll try to answer it whenever we get around to it. But again, uh, questions at ArcadeRepairTips.com if you want to contact us. We have our YouTube page at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. Now, obviously, those of you who are watching this video or are watching live know that. But for those of you guys on the podcast feed, what you need to know is you go to youtube.arcaderepairtips.com, look up this episode, and you can listen to the after show that is not posted on the podcast audio feed. So, just something to keep in mind. And we do try to cover comments from the last live show on the next episode. Tim, we had several comments from the last show that we covered tonight. So, if you guys want to, you can also leave your comments or questions there for us to cover as well. We have our podcast feed, which contains our live shows, our interviews, the question and answer podcast, and other things as well. You can uh, subscribe to that on iTunes at iTunes.arcaderepairedtips.com, iTunes.arcaderepairedtips.com. Uh, we are also on Spotify 10, Com, Spotify at Com. We're on Stitcher Radio at stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com. Tim, you can pretty much find us wherever fine podcasts are aggregated. Um, we are on the Microsoft store. We're on the Amazon store. We're on, you know, I use Pocket Cast. I think I mentioned that before. We're on the Pocket, Pocket Cast feeds. Um, anywhere you find podcasts, you will fi- find the Arcade Repair Tips live show and podcast feed. So go ahead and, uh, go ahead and search for us. You will find us subscribe there and you can get the audio version of this plus some other audio things that we do from time to time. And then we have our social media feeds at uh, Facebook. We are Facebook one at tips.com. We want to thank Mark for posting a lot of great information there. And I also post there, Tim. Sometimes you post there. We try to post uh, all the latest news and goings-ons and deals. A lot of deals. A lot of deals this past month because we had Prime Day, right? Mm-hmm. And so hopefully you guys got in a lot on a lot of those Prime Day deals. Tim, there were a lot of great ones this year. Much better than previous years, I would say. Mm-hmm. So if you guys were able to get in on those, I'm really glad we posted quite a few of them, Tim. There were some. And some of those, I i bought a lot of and i shouldn't have but um, there's some really great deals i couldn't help it so if you guys want to keep track of all the deals we're posting tim i mentioned earlier in the show that we had a caster deal we get four casters um with locks uh for a really great price i think it was 14 bucks or something like that tim for the two inch so if you look that up on our facebook uh, feed you can do it there the twitter feed has it there as well and you can find that at twitter.arcade repairtips.com twitter.arcade Com, or we're just at Arcade Repair on Twitter as well will work. So, uh, Tim, I think I covered everything. Is there anything else that we're going to talk about?
1: No, we've got uh, some stuff coming up on a live show. You you said you were going to do a big reveal.
0: Yes, uh, I will talk about what my my leader in in the clubhouse is for Album of the Year. Right. So, do you have an Album of the Year, Tim?
1: I do not. Probably have, all I listen to is old stuff, so I wouldn't even know half the new artists probably. But maybe.
0: So here's the thing, I know the new music is not as good as old music. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I totally understand that. But guess what, Tim? Some of this new music ain't half bad. Okay. Okay, that's what I'm telling you. And if you like old music, uh, there's a couple of things, I can mention a couple of songs that just recently came out that you'll really, really like, I think. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you can stay tuned for that. We'll talk a little bit of music there. Uh, we'll also talk about shows we've been watching. Tim, did you have anything? We haven't talked, usually Tim will send me that, but he's been so busy. Yeah,
1: you know, I have been watching just some, um, I I, kind of got to watching Ink Masters, and for whatever reason, that's kind of what I've been stuck on. Uh, I haven't really had much time, man. I haven't had much downtime to watch anything. Well, you were on
0: vacation, I was on yep. vacation, and on vacation, I, we, I mean, you think, you think on vacation you watch a lot, but. No, it's opposite. Nah, Exactly. We're traveling, and so, uh, it, it's a little bit different for us. Or I'd so. start
1: to watch something, I'd fall asleep. That's <laughs> right.
0: I, I did watch the All-Star game, though, the MLB All-Star game, so maybe okay. I'll give a couple of thoughts on that, and a couple of things I've been watching, including Jurassic Park Dominion Tim which I watched, so, uh, when it came out on demand, so. I have thoughts on that. I watched some
1: stuff you recommended last time. Oh, great! So, that, I did watch some Let's of that. Get your feedback
0: so. then on that. So, anyway guys, I think that's going to end it here for the regular live show. If you're watching this live or on the archive, you can wait about oh 10 minutes or so. We'll be back with the after show. If you're listening to on if you're listening to this on the audio podcast feed, you will have to look this up like we mentioned on YouTube to get the after show. But other than that, Tim, I think it's about time to go. Anything All you right. want to say before we uh, move on to the after show or next month?
1: Well, again, sorry for the delay in one day, but we appreciate those of who could be here tonight. So, thank you uh let us know how you how you like the Friday Friday night format. You know, I don't know what's the best night for everybody else and I know that it's probably not the best night once football season and stuff like that starts, but we do appreciate your time and for being here and for joining us whether even if you're watching it later, thank you for uh still tuning in.
0: Absolutely, and one more reminder, contest at ArcadeRepairTips.com. Send an email, name, address, if you'd like this fine Karate Champ Mini Arcade contest at ArcadeRepairTips.com. Okay, well, we'll see you here in the after show, or if you're exiting now, we'll see you next month. But we want you all to remember, here at Arcade Repair Tips, when we fix the game,
1: you play the game.
0: Take care, everybody. We'll see you real soon.
1: Thank you for watching this episode of the arcade repair tips live show all of our past episodes are available on our website at arcaderepairtips.com or on our youtube page this show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself the preceding program is of arcade entertainment production